Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I love what God's doing here. I love what he's been doing all weekend. I don't know, um, I actually don't know if Keith and Joan are here tonight, but they've given us a tremendous, oh, there they are over here, that's right. Oh yes, you're praying and everything, I should know that. I'm a little out of it. <clears throat> but we are so grateful for the ministry that they brought to us uh, this weekend and they did a prayer masterclass yesterday and then taught our prayer team again today. And so we have, a lot of tools in our belt that we can use when it comes to prayer because of the things that we've learned this weekend and the things that we've been digging into in terms of prayer. And I don't know if you're like me at all. I kind of feel like my head's about to explode a little bit because we've just learned so much, right? And I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I, I didn't go to seminary. I learned how to pray by sitting in revival meetings like this at my parents' feet. Uh, we used to call them camp meeting, like we had like real sawdust and everything. <laughs> and I would be laying under the chairs till midnight and people would be getting healed and I'd just be watching all of this as a little girl and that's, that was my training ground. That's where I learned how to pray and how I learned to hear the voice of God and know the presence of God. And it's amazing. I'm, you know, I'm always on this track for learning. I think we should always be desiring to learn more and have more revelation and more of those tools and practical things that we can apply when it comes to prayer. But tonight, I feel like there's not a lot I can add to what's already been said and what we've learned. But I just want to leave you with one thought tonight. And that is, even though we have all of these tools and all of these things that we can pray and say at the right time, it isn't really about a formula or about being able to say the right thing at the right time or having all the right words. The heart of prayer is really about knowing the heart of the Father and being able to express that in our current situation. It's about knowing what's on God's heart and being able to speak that out as a voice for him in our generation. The scripture says that all of the promises of God are yes in Christ. That means that when Christ went to the cross and he died for us, all of the promises of God were settled for us. But it is our amen that makes them applied to our life. It's when we come into agreement with them and we say, yes, God, I believe what you've said about my life, that it actually becomes real for us. There's something special about our voices. And I have a word tonight that there is a generation of people who are going to stand up and know the voice of God and proclaim it in their generation. I believe that's what it means to be a person who prays always. Paul often said in his writings, he said, I pray for you always. I'm always praying for you. He told us to pray without ceasing because that is God's will for us. I used to think about that, pray without ceasing, like never stop praying, like just lock yourself in a closet somewhere on your knees and never stop praying. I don't think that's really possible. And I didn't believe it when people said, you know, they had learned to pray at all times without ceasing. But you know what? I've actually learned how this works. 
You see, when you look up that word prayer in the New Testament, that Greek word actually means exchange. And people have sort of whittled it down, as Andrew was saying earlier this weekend. I can't remember what service it was in because it's all a bit of a blur. But he was saying how, how people are like, oh, you know, you can just kind of talk to God. That's just what prayer is, right? And we've sort of whittled it down a little bit. But that word for prayer isn't just, you know, saying what I need to God and in exchange hearing what he wants to say. It goes a little bit deeper and that word actually means to exchange my heart and my desires for his. It's what the heart of Jesus was saying when he said, not my will, but yours be done. I'm exchanging my will for yours. I'm exchanging the desires of my heart for the desires of your heart. Do you know how often people come to me and ask me to pray for them and they tell me exactly what they want me to pray? Like almost line for line, like this is exactly what I want God to do. And you know what, it grieves my heart a little bit because I think you're leaving no room for a limitless, impossible God to step into your situation when you limit him to your own expectations and what you think he should do in your situation. When you look at your life and you go, God, I want you to do it exactly like this, you have no idea what he has in store for you or what he would like to do in your situation. And I think we limit God all of the time and forfeit miracles in our life because we're unwilling to line ourselves up with what he wants, not what we want. We come with so many desires and expectations from him. I actually think if we could really get a hold of this, our prayer life would shift. We would stop praying for protection all of the time and simple needs that we have every day and begin to understand it's the heart of the Father to meet my needs and release me to begin to pray for more things with boldness in my generation. That I don't have to worry, that I can walk under his protection every day. I don't have to necessarily pray that over myself every day. There's things he has promised us that I can just walk in those things and then begin to go, God, what are you saying about my life? What are you saying about this situation? And I'm going to begin to boldly declare that. Not what I think you should do. Not what I think my situation look like, looks like. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear the voice of heaven and release that into my situation. I want to release that into the world. This is a way of life for every believer to give up praying our own desires and to give up our expectations and lay them at his feet and allow him to do the impossible in our lives. I don't want to put God in a box. I don't want to limit what he can do in my life. You know, I don't get to write my own gospel. He's the author of my story. And he knows far better than me how it's going to play out. He knows what's best for me. He has my good intentions at heart. I can trust him with how my life is going to play out. And so I need to lean in and get close to him and be in his presence and begin to hear how his heart beats for mine and begin to know the things that he's spoken over my life and over my family and over my situation so I can begin to speak those things. Do you know how often I pray for people and then they turn around and go, well, I maybe, you know, I hope that works. 
And I think, man, come on, you got to start to believe. You got to have some faith in your heart that God can actually do something. I would love for you to walk out of here after I pray for your marriage and begin to say, my husband is going to be a good man. He's going to serve the Lord all the days of his life and begin to see how your marriage would start to turn around when you start declaring and saying the things that God has said about your marriage over your home and your life and your marriage. But instead we come to God in prayer and we complain about all of the things that aren't going well and we talk to our friends and we worry and we fret. Worrying isn't praying, complaining isn't praying, come on. We gotta get the heart of God and begin to speak that. Speak it over our kids, speaking it over our city and our generation, speaking it over our own lives. You read the Gospel of John, John said several times in his gospel, he refers to himself as John, the one Jesus loves, right? Sounds a little narcissistic, doesn't it? You know, we agree with things and speak things over our lives all the time. As long as they're negative, nobody cares. But as soon as we start saying positive things about ourselves, everyone gets all uncomfortable and freaked out. What if you got up every day and looked in the mirror and said, this is Donna, the one that Jesus loves. This is Sylvia, the one Jesus loves. What if you were able to begin to declare that over your own life? I am the one Jesus loves. He said that about me and I believe it. And so I'm going to actually declare it and say it about myself. You know, when I got a hold of this sort of principle of hearing the heart of God and beginning to speak that over my life, it really did change my prayer life because I spend far more time in praise and worship. I get up every morning and I spend an hour before anyone else in the house gets up. And about 45 to 50 minutes of that is just worship and praising God and declaring the things that God has said. And worship, you know, he tells us to come into his presence with praise and thanksgiving and worship on our lips. And there's a reason for that because if our hearts aren't in the place where we're close to him and we know his voice and we can receive from him, those words help to get our heart in the right place. Our words will work for us if we're praising God with our lips, if we're giving him thanksgiving, our words are going to work for us until our heart catches up. And there's mornings when I spend almost my entire hour just praising God. God, I, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you cover this house in my family. I thank you for all your promises and your word. And I begin to speak them out and declare them. And when I get to the end of that, there isn't much more to pray for. Can I be honest? And it feels like I'm so aligned with his heart that I can just declare a few things that he's, that he's kind of speaking to me and showing me. And then that's it. I'm done. I don't have to spend hours travailing at his feet all of the time. Sometimes I can just hear what he's saying from heaven and speak that. There's been times when I've just been driving in my car and all of a sudden I'm impressed. It's impressed upon me to begin to pray for my kids and he just gives me an, an exa- like a, something in my mind that I know I need to pray for that over my kids. I pray for it and it's done. It's done. I just, I just trust him that much. It's done. When you get to know somebody's heart, you can trust them. It's like, I can trust my husband. We've been married now for 25 years and I know he loves me and I know his intentions are good. If he ever surprised me with a vacation, I would be like, so like pack my bag, I'm coming. Where are you gonna take me? Because I know you love me and you've got good things in store for me. But with God, if ever, but no, he's great. I'm just kidding. Um, 
But with God, sometimes we're like, well, I don't know, right? I'm not sure. I can't hear his voice. I don't know where he's leading me. Come on. We got to get in a place where every day we're aligned with his voice and we're hearing from heaven and we hear what he's speaking. His perspective is so much bigger than ours. It's so much greater than what we can see in this moment. He wants so much more for us than we could ever imagine, but we got to get aligned with his heart so that we can get that in our own hearts and minds. I want to look really quickly at the story of David. Because David, out of all the people in the Bible, probably aside from Jesus, David is the most written about and talked about figure in Scripture. And King David was chosen for a reason. In Acts 13, 22, it says, God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything that I want him to do. David was known as a man after God's heart. And I believe there's a generation of people rising up who are going to be after God's own heart, who are going to want the things that are on his heart more than we want what's on our heart that are going to desire his will above my will, that are going to desire the things that he's thinking about, not what I'm thinking about, that are going to be able in prayer to exchange their thoughts and their wishes and their desires for his, for their life, and are going to be able to walk out of that prayer time and proclaim the word of God because they've been with Jesus. That's what happened in the New Testament, right? All of a sudden, they couldn't help but proclaim the things that they had seen and heard. They couldn't help but speak about it because they'd been with Jesus and it had gotten all over them. And they were like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to begin to declare this in my generation because I believe it and I know it's true. And I believe God is raising up a generation just like David who are people who are after God's own heart and after what he wants for us. And we see this so clearly in the story of David and Goliath. And if you don't know the story, I'll set it up for you just a little bit. David is this young shepherd boy. And he's out in the, you know, it's actually funny if you read the story because one of his brothers even says, where's those like few sheep you were taking care of out in the field? Like you're just a little shepherd boy. You just have a few sheep, right? You don't have a big job. And his dad gives him some food and he sends him out to the front of the battle lines. And Israel is standing against the Philistine army. And the Philistines have sent out Goliath, their giant champion fighter. And he comes out every day to taunt the Israelites and say, who's going to come and fight me? Who wants to win this battle? Come on, send, send someone out to fight me. And David goes out to the front lines and he's supposed to just deliver food to his brothers and come back home with a report to his father. But he gets out there on the front lines and he hears, he hears what's going on and he's like, why are y'all just standing here? Like there's a, there's a battle going on, right? Like what's going on? Why are you all so afraid? And as he's standing there, Goliath comes out. And in 1 Samuel 17, we read this account of when Goliath came out, it says he stood and he shouted a taunt across at the Israelites. Why are, you, why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I'm a Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. 
Choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken, Scripture says. Terrified. They were running for their lives. They see this giant come out in front of them, and they think, I only see bad coming out of this, right? I don't see, this is not going to end well for anybody. I am not going out to fight this guy, this giant. And David comes in with his, with his food for his brothers, and I love this. And he hears, he sees this Philistine come out and taunt them, and he's like, well, who's going to go? Like, why are you all running away? Why are you afraid? Why are you terrified and deeply shaken? Because they could only see in the natural. They could only see the circumstances in front of them. They could only see the giant. But when David walked in, he didn't see a giant. He saw an opportunity for a victory. Because when he was in the pasture taking care of the sheep, a bear came and took one of the sheep. And the Lord came with strength and helped him to fight down that bear and take back the sheep. And it happened again with a lion. And so he's standing there. And he's going, my experience isn't lying up with what you think is happening here. My experience is that God rescues his children. My experience is that God comes for us when we need him. And why are you standing here afraid in the face of this giant? If he's delivered me from the bear and the lion, he'll deliver me from this giant as well. I don't have any fear. Let me go out and face him. And I believe we're standing in the face of a generation who's going to say, we're giant killers. We're ready to go into battle. I went to the prayer master class and I got some tools in my belt. I'm ready to go, Goliath. Come on, let's go. You come out here and taunt my God. I'm going to stand up because I know his heart. I know how he feels about me and I know how he feels about my situation today and I'm ready for a fight. You want to fight? Come on, get in my face. I'm ready to go. I believe there's a generation... Rising up, who's going to know who they are and who God has called them to be? How often, after Jesus was baptized, it says the heavens opened up and there was a voice that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You know, I believe that wasn't just for Jesus. I believe every time a sinner comes to Christ, there is a voice in the heavenly realm that says, this is Cheryl, my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we are adopted into his family. We are considered sons and daughters. Jesus was the firstborn, but we get to step into that as well. But how many of us walk around saying, I'm a son or a daughter of the king? Who dares to defy my daddy? Come on. Do we think of ourselves this way? Not very often, do we? As soon as someone comes and confronts our identity and who we are and pokes around at our faith a little bit, we go running terrified. Well, I'm not one of those. I believe that there are young people in this place who are going to be part of this generation who stands up and says, I am like David, and I know God's heart, and I know his heart is for me, not against me. 
And I know he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I don't care what you say. I'm going to declare his goodness over my life every day. And that they're going to know what God's heart is for their situation. And when they walk into battle, when they walk into situations and they see a giant, they're just going to say, well, that's just another opportunity for God to show that he rescues his people. That's just another opportunity for God to show his glory. That's just another opportunity for God to stand up with me and fight and see a victory come. They're not going to run away terrified and afraid of the things that come along in life. But you got to know, if you're going to stand in this battle, you got to know what God has said. You got to know his word. And if you're not in his word, if you're not reading his word, if you're not getting it inside of you, you're not going to know it. But even more than that, John said, the one who Jesus loved, said that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is not just a book of empty pages. The word is a person and his name is Jesus. And he wants a personal relationship with you so that you would know his heart and his heartbeat for you. When we stand in Christ, we stand in all the promises of God over our lives. We stand in everything that he has declared about us, everything that he has said about us. And we can stand up under that and be strong because he has said it. And we align ourselves with it. And when you begin to align yourself with the truth, it's really easy to identify the lies. And all of a sudden you start to see lies around you. And when they pop up, you can right away go, no, sorry, that's a lie. I'm not even going to buy into that one because I know what God said about me today. And I've been in his word and I've been with Jesus and I know his heart for me. And so I know that's a lie. I can pick it out just like that. Man, I want to be around people. I've had people, I've sit across, sat across the table from them. And they said, that's a lie. You know you're believing a lie. I want to be with people like that who will confront things in my life, who will say, you're believing a lie. That's not what God says about you. Let's open up his word because this is what he says about you. You are strong and, and begin to declare the word of God over my life. I want to be with people like that. Those are giant slayers. Those are the kind of people who can stand up in the face of a bold lie, of the taunting of the enemy and say, no, I'm not going to believe that. Not today. I've been to revival nights. I know who I am. I'm standing up in my generation. That's why David was known as such a great warrior. So all you really need all you really need in your situation is one word from the heart of God. That's all you need. Just one word from the heart of God can bring everything that's standing against you crumbling down. If you believe it. Because you're not inadequate. You actually have everything you need to face what you're facing today. You have all the faith that you need. You have all the word that you need. You have everything that you need and more at your disposal to face the battle that God has put in front of you. I don't believe that we come up against anything that we aren't prepared to face. It may scare us. It may make us uncomfortable. It will definitely stretch us outside of where we are right now, but it's not impossible. And if you can get that into your heart and believe it deep down, then anything you stand against is going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's not the end of the story yet. 
And those who are close to the heart of God can see from his perspective. And they can see there's a different narrative to how this story is going to end. There's a different path that I can take right now. They see something different. David saw something different when he came to the front of that battle line. He didn't see a giant. I think he was probably like, like literally like, you guys are like chickens. Like really? Who is this guy who would defy the Lord of heaven's armies? Like, come on. He's going to show up today and give us a victory. And I love this too, that when David is about to go down and face Goliath, Saul tries to give him all of his armor, right? Saul's like, okay, okay, you're going to go, but you only came with a basket of food. So I am going to give you some stuff. Here's all of my armor. Try it on. And David's, David's a shepherd. He's, he's clunking around in this armor going like, I can't go face the, the giant in this. I can't even walk in this. This is ridiculous, right? And sometimes I think that we try to do what someone else has done or we try to mimic someone else's prayers or we try to do it the way someone else has instead of getting the heart of God for us. And you can clank around in what someone else has done or you can find out what God's doing in your own life. And he's likely already prepared you. He had already prepared David for what he was gonna walk into that day. So David took off the armor And he said, I just need a few smooth stones. And I'm going to walk into this battle with what God has already equipped me with. I'm not afraid. That Philistine is going down. And he even taunts him and says a few very funny things to him as he's walking out onto the battlefield. How dare you defy the Lord of heaven's armies? How dare you stand out here and taunt me? You're going down. And we all know how the story ends. He takes him out with one shot of his sling and one stone. He didn't need all that other stuff. When you've been with God and you know his character and you know what he's all about and you know his heart for you, honestly, all you need is one word and the enemy flees. All you need is one word from God to stand on and the enemy does not have a chance. When you get this in your heart, when you understand who you are, who God has called you to be, and you begin to walk in that and declare it over your life and speak it out, the enemy doesn't have a chance. And so the enemy is always going to want to bring doubt. As soon as Jesus was baptized and God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. We learned about this with Keith earlier. He walked out and the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And there were several temptations, but each one starts with, if you are the son of God. The enemy was questioning the identity that God had just spoken over him. When God speaks a word over you, the enemy is always going to want to come and bring doubt about what God has said. When God, when you're in a service like this and you feel like, God, you've got something new. God said, he loves me. I'm chosen. There's something that you're taking on as your identity. As soon as you walk out, the enemy is going to want to challenge that. 
He did it to Eve in the garden. Did God really say that? Did he really say that about you? Did he really say that over your life? He'll do the same thing to you. In fact, when I was writing this message, when God just dropped this into my heart, I went for a walk down the road by my place. And I started to, I was actually thinking about the fact that our faith is about believing the heart of God and speaking, believing and speaking, believing and speaking. In fact, it's what was quoted of the psalmist, David, in a scripture that I wrote out here somewhere. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, and therefore I spoke. Our faith is about believing and speaking. Those who are born of God overcome the world, and the victory that overcomes the world is our faith, our believing and speaking. A few weeks ago, I shared about faith, and I said my own personal definition of faith is believing in the character of God when I can't see the activity of God. I have to believe that he's on the move, and he's working on my behalf when I can't see it in the natural. That's faith to me. And I believe in a generation of people who are gonna so believe in the character of God and the nature of God, that even when they can't see him working, they're gonna know he's behind the scenes doing what he does best. And they're trusting his character and leaning on him. The enemy is always gonna to wanna to poke around at your identity, at the word that God has given you and what he's spoken to you. We gotta believe it and speak it about ourselves. We need to believe this and speak it over ourselves. That word doubt actually means to withdraw, like a battle term, to actually back off, like the Israelites did in the face of Goliath. Doubt makes us back away. We're never gonna speak out what God wants us to be speaking out over our lives and our families and our generation if we have doubt about what he has said. We have to believe that God is at work. We have to believe in his character and his heart. We have to know his word revealed in the person of Jesus and begin to walk in that. And faith begins to stir up again in our hearts when we get close to Jesus. You know, in order to know him, you're gonna have to get close to him. In order to know what's on his heart, in order to know what he believes about you and about your situation, you're going to have to be close to him. You're going to have to be in close proximity. As Andrew was saying last night, David set himself at that window every single day. He was faithful to do it so that he would know the heart of God in his generation. I'm going to invite the band to come. I'm almost done here. But I actually really feel like this is a prophetic word for the younger generation. Anyone who's here who's about 30 and under, I really believe that God is actually stirring you to be the people like David was, to be people after God's own heart. Man, we need a generation who will rise up and know who God has called them to be, to know that they are called by God. And when someone comes along and says, no, you can't do that, they would say, who are you to defy the Lord of heaven's armies? It's not about me. It's about what he has said. It's not about what you think about me and my ability. It's about him. 
You know, God actually commanded us in his word, let the weak say, I am strong. Declare the things that I have said about you over yourself. Begin to speak them. And as I, sorry, I started to say this earlier and I lost my thought. As I was walking by my house and I was, I was declaring this message, I, if you ever see me walk near my house, I'm not going to tell you where I live because you don't want to say, I preach on the street. I'm like walking and preaching because I try out these messages. I, I preach them while I'm walking. I preach to myself. And as I was beginning, I just got this download from God. I just got this word from God. And as I'm walking and declaring it, he right away said, he went, you can't preach that. This is the enemy. You can't preach that. People aren't going to understand that. They're going to think it's that name it and claim it gospel thing. They're not going to understand what you're talking about. You know, every time that God has asked us to do something that's powerful, the enemy has tried to twist it and turn it so that we turn away from it and get scared of it. And we don't want to go near that. You know, it's not about naming and claiming things that are on our heart, like I said earlier. It's about knowing the heart of the Father and declaring that over our lives. It's not laying our hands on a BMW and naming and claiming that for myself. It's about going, God, my kids are going to serve you every day of their life. I know it because you promised it in your word. It's not about what pleases me. It's about what pleases him. That's what the Bible says. That I can name and claim the things that, play, that, pray, that bring glory to him. You know, we name and claim things all the time. Do you know how many people I pray for who say, my depression, my anxiety, my this, my that. We name and claim things all of the time, but like I said before, as long as it's negative, it's okay. If we wanted to start to declare promises of God and positive things, people get so uncomfortable. I believe that God actually wants to speak a word to the hearts of the young people here tonight. I'm going to invite you to stand on your feet for a moment as we close here. And if this word, if you're here and you're a young person, like I said, 30-ish and under, I don't know, everybody could be young at heart. But I really feel like this world needs a generation of giant slayers. We need a generation of young people who know who they are called to be, that have a word of God on their heart and will not be deterred from that calling. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.